First big trick I did, I did a quadruple truck driver, so a 360 with four bar spins, right into a double tail up to bar spin air. Then I came back around, did a triple tail up on the box, and then a flare bar spin, came around the course, and then did a 720 bar spin. So it's a lot of spins, bike spinning a lot of times. Welcome to the Canadian Cycling Magazine podcast. I'm Matthew Piaro, editor of Canadian Cycling Magazine. We just heard from Jaden Chipman there. He's the national BMX freestyle champion. He was speaking about his run at the Toronto X Jam, which we'll hear more about later in the show. Usually, I'm joined by our social media editor, Dan Walker, but he's somewhere warm, riding his bike. For this episode, I've pressed producer Adam Killick into co-hosting duties. Welcome, Adam. Hi, Matt, and I'm sorry I'm a pale imitation of Dan. Uh, literally, I suppose, because he's in Australia and I'm stuck here in frozen Toronto. I know, I know. I don't, I've been avoiding like his, his Strava and his Instagram. I don't want to see his whatever late summer riding south of the equator. I just can't deal with that right now. I don't see why he couldn't have been here. Like, couldn't have joined us remotely, but anyway. I know, I know. Really, he's Something slacking. about beach and volleyball or watching rugby games or something like that. <laughs> um, in this episode... I speak with the designer of a new bikepacking route. It's in Ontario, which probably isn't the first province you think of when you think bikepacking. I delve into the Butter Tart 700, which has already started generating a lot of buzz, and very few people have actually ridden this thing. Also, Adam, do you know what junk miles are? Uh, yeah, most of what I do. Aha, zing! Um, no, I was this this idea of junk miles was really sort of you know. Um, swishing around in my head like what is junk like what is actually bad mileage or is it what i think it is so i took my question to coach peter glassford and um he will address the junk it's interesting because i just got as you know i just got this whoop fitness tracker and i and i now started it detects when i'm doing an activity and right. so like when going i upstairs going well not quite that short unless mm -hmm. i'm like going up a lot of stairs but no bike I could ride my bike over here mm -hmm. then it picks it up as an activity and then I can it measures my heart rate and so yeah it kind of interestingly raises the issue of well is my commute over here junk miles just because I'm not really dressed to ride and I'm not really you know doing anything structured yeah but it's still recording activity and it's adding to my strain so I don't know let's ask Peter nice um and then finally something rad I was at the recent Toronto bike show. Rad. Rad. You know, like, that, the, like the 80s movie. Do you remember that? Yeah, but we're not in the 80s anymore. There's better. Like sick. It's still sick. rad. It's still rad. It's still, still rad. Trust me. Still it's rad. Still rad. And this was totally rad. Uh, I was at the X Jam, a BMX freestyle event uh, connected with the Toronto bike show. And it's actually become quite a significant thing in the world of freestyle. And you'll find out why. But first... Tasty, tasty butter tarts. I wasn't totally surprised when Matt Cady told me he was developing a bikepacking route in Ontario. Cady is a regular contributor to Canadian Cycling Magazine. His usual beat is nutrition. He's a registered dietitian. He also writes about big bike rides he's done in Mexico, Portugal, Costa Rica, and yes, Ontario. What did surprise me about Katie's route 
is the buzz it's already generated among cyclists. I've been told and retold about his Butter Tart 700 on various forums. Katie only launched it officially this past December. The 700 is for the approximate distance of the route. The Butter Tart is for the dessert that you'll likely find in almost every little shop as you travel from St. Jacob's, about 150 kilometers west of Toronto, over toward Lake Huron, then over to Georgian Bay, and then south and west once again. Matt, Katie, the first and most important question I have for you is uh, when it comes to butter tarts, do you like them plain, with raisins, or with pecans? Um, I would definitely say pecans. The butter tarts are sweet enough, so a little uh, little fat there kind of helps cut the sweetness. See, I, I just go more instinctually to, to pecans. I don't know what it is, but that tells me this interview is going to go well since we already agree about butter tarts, which can be such a polarizing um, dessert here in Ontario. So the reason, of course, I bring up butter tarts is the Butter Tart 700, um, a bikepacking route in Ontario that you charted. You started charting in, uh, in 2018. In broad strokes, how would you describe this route or what are some of the, the big features of this route? I think to sum it up, it's a kind of a route that brings together a lot of the different terrain that we have in southwestern Ontario. Uh, so you have a lot of, you have some rail trail, you have more of, I think what they call them uh, road allowances. Those are more of those kind of like rougher back roads that haven't seen a car in a few decades. Um, some more kind of mountain bikey trail in there. Not too much of that because some people, you know, are riding more on cross bikes like that, but just a little bit of that in there to to uh, spice things up a bit, and also a huge chunk of some of the best gravel roads we have um, in this part of Ontario. Uh, I really spent a lot of time trying to trying to seek those out and including those in the route there. Um, so it's kind of like a a good mix of everything to kind of keep people excited and interested for the entire. Uh, I guess it's right now it's clocking in at 715 kilometers. In 2017, you did an, uh, an Ontario Loop called the Colt, or the Central Ontario Loop Trail. And after you did that, um, did that give you any ideas about what makes a good bikepacking route in Ontario? Yeah, that's actually a great question, because it did. Because the Colt, um, which is a little more, uh, definitely more in eastern Ontario, is predominantly on old kind of decommissioned uh, rail beds. So um, what we would consider rail trails. So it's a lot of um, it's a lot of flat riding, um, through some beautiful countryside, but I kind of realized after, you know, you do too much of that, it's kind of becomes a little, a little kind of monotonous. And, um, so even on that route, I was kind of seeking out some of the, uh, the off trail kind of gravel roads just to break things up. Um, so that was kind of in my head. I was like, well, in every, you know, every 50 kilometers or so, how much kind of different, uh, different terrain can I throw in there just to keep, uh, keep things kind of, uh, exciting and, uh, um, people's interest up through the whole thing. Um, I think, I mean, I kind of have like a, a rail trail kind of limit there. Definitely after a few hours, I, I find like I need a, I need a little more hills and maybe a little more coasting downhills to, to, um, kind of keep my interest that way. Yeah, I guess a rail trail is a, a bit consistent to a fault. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're great where they are. I mean, they 
I mean, I love rail trails because they take you off the road. There's no traffic and sometimes they parallel really busy roads. That would be the only other option. Um, but I know in, you know, southwestern Ontario, we have also lots of really great um, kind of other type of back roads and gravel roads and trails that could, could blend, can blend into the rail trail experience as well. So then variety was a, a goal of yours when, when mapping out the, the BT-700. But were there, were there any other features that you were keeping your, your eye out for or you were trying to get into the mix for this, for this route? Uh, I think the other thing is also trying to, I mean, always it's 715 kilometers, so people are not going to do this in a day. They're, they're going to be out there for you know, upwards of six days potentially. So you always, I always had to put in the back of my mind is making sure that, um, I like to say it's remote without being remote. So you never want to be that far from, you know, uh, accommodation options, whether that's roofed accommodation or camping. Um, So I always had to kind of make sure, you know, you're not going 100 kilometers where you really don't have any other options than just to pitch a tent (laughs) in the wild somewhere. Uh, So I think that was one of the things I really worked on pretty hard to try to give people enough options for food and accommodation. Um, And also just to see, you know, some of the more of the parks and um, different kind of uh, different kind of scenery that we have in this part of Ontario as well. Now, in terms of equipment, I know you um, you have used the panniers before, but that now you're also using uh, the more say modern uh, frame bags. Um, what are some of the pros and cons of like new school bike packing bags versus old school touring setup? I think um, well, I mean. Let- just to start with one thing, I don't mind if people call this cycle touring as well. <laughs> the definition of bike packing, call it whatever you want, but as long as you're on your bike having fun for a few days, then that's that's totally fine with me. The new style bike packing bags, there's two things going for them. Uh, one, they force people to really think a little more uh, minimalist. So getting your weight down to what you can just carry in these you know smaller style bags, uh, which keeps you a little more nimble on the bike. And they also just tend to distribute the weight a little better sometimes and having like I've I've gone on tours where all my weight has been on the back in panniers and I when you hit a steep hill that's you know that's a that's a match massive suffer fest going on there um so just with you know the bike packing bags where you kind of have the handlebar bag the roll style bag up front um the frame bag which is a newer style thing where people put more of the heavier things and then your large saddle bag um so I think that's kind of where people see the advantages with those. I mean, the benefits of the, you know, the more traditional is a lot of people have panniers now. So you don't necessarily want to go out and buy a whole new set of bags um, for a tour. Um, I would be on this one. I can tell people I'd be OK with, you know, using a couple panniers as well to get around. Um, it's not like a totally, you know, single track in Nepal type of <laughs> type of route. Uh, so I think panniers would work as well to if that's what you have and you don't want to spend a bunch of money on bags, I would say go for it. You have a Grand Depart uh, planned on, I believe it's July 14th of this year. Uh, correct. I would say it less uh, fancy. I would just say Grand Depart, but the way you said it's way better. <laughs> maybe maybe because maybe I said that because it's also Bastille Day. Did uh, Did you pick it because it was Bastille Day or because it was the second Sunday of July? <laughs> 
I actually thought somebody told me it was National Butter Tart Day, but I don't think that's accurate either. So, Oh, no way. So what do you expect the scene to be like on that day? Um, I think it's kind of almost way more than I thought. I mean, I already have. There's already more than 50 riders who have signed up. Not saying that they will all show up. Um, so I'm hoping it's like more of kind of like a festive, um, a kind of a festive atmosphere. Not competitive at all. I'm not don't want this to be thought of as a race or anything like that. Um, just pretty much just bringing together a bunch of riders who who may form some groups and form some new riding friendships, which would be awesome. Where it departs is in St. Jacob's. And it's pretty exciting because the night before we're having a kind of a get together at one of the, uh, the, the microbreweries there. So that'll be a great time uh, for people to meet up with each other and um, introduce introduce what they're looking for in the roots and maybe uh, bond along the way. And uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be kind of a really fun, a fun get together and hopefully sunny morning and everyone will be um, pretty stoked to get out there and spend a few days doing mostly the off-road type of touring. Well, I hope the uh, the big send-off goes well this summer, and thanks for, for telling us about the, the Butter Tart 700. Oh, it's my pleasure, and uh, thanks for um, helping spread the word. Matt Cady is a registered dietitian and bike packer. He developed a new bike packing route in Ontario called the Butter Tart 700. Hey, Adam, I have some good news. Yeah? Yes. Uh, the Ride to Conquer Cancer is continuing to support the Canadian Cycling Magazine podcast. Oh, that's awesome. I know. Now, you know all about this because you've done this ride as a medic. I have. Yeah. I have. And I can tell you that it is a supremely well-organized event. It's uh, a couple of long days in the saddle. It's uh, more than 200 kilometers by the time you're done over a Saturday and a Sunday. But it's as nice as you could imagine back-to-back 100k days to be nice um so sign up and raise vital funds to support cancer research treatment advances education and new standards of care at cancer centers and research facilities across canada nearly one in two canadians will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime and you'll be riding to change that yeah and so you can register today at conquercancer.ca and save 50 bucks when you use promo code PODCAST at sign up. Again, that's promo code PODCAST at conquercancer.ca. I'm next to the X-Jam course here at the Toronto Bike Show. Now, X-Jam is a BMX freestyle event that's been going on here at the bike show for quite a few years now. And I'm watching riders go up and down quarter pipes. They're doing myriad tricks with awesome names like bar spins, knack-knacks, hands, um, tail whips. And this is a bit different than the uh, type of competition I'm used to uh, watching. There's uh, not so much watt bombs, but just this amazing level of athleticism, we'll call it even acrobatics going on. And these riders are preparing for their respective competitions today. 
for which there are points on offer. These are legit UCI points that can help with Olympic qualification. BMX Freestyle will be at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, and some of these riders are hoping to rack up points to get there. Uh, hey, my name is Jaden Chipman. Eight, I'm 18 years old and I ride BMX. You ride BMX freestyle, correct? Yeah, freestyle BMX. And um, a week ago, you had a race, a ride, sorry, in Joyride, and that made you the Canadian champion, correct? Yeah, that is correct. There's two contests, one on Tuesday, which is the international I got second at, and then the Wednesday one, which is the national that I actually won. Excellent, and we're speaking right now, you can hear a bit of the teardown, of the, uh, the X-Jam at the Toronto uh, Bike Show. And tell us the uh, significance of this X-Jam event. Well, it's super significant to me. This is how I got into BMX freestyle. I was always into riding bikes, but when I came out here like six years ago, I watched this contest and I actually bought my first BMX bike beside this contest. That's actually how I got into BMX. So six years later, standing up in the pro category, third place unreal watching these guys ride that's why i started riding so and yeah so you were third today um tell me about your run is it it's freestyle you're sort of you have the freedom to go anywhere you want on this course but how much of what you did today was pre-planned my whole run actually was pre-planned i i always go in with the strategy and if i do screw up because there's a couple of spots where i kind of question my own capability I have other lines I have planned in case I go a little off course, so my whole run was planned. Uh, I timed it out and it actually worked out perfectly, like right down to the last second. Like right when I wanted to finish, the buzzer went off. It, everything worked out perfect. I did everything I wanted to today, so couldn't have gone any better. And what are some of the, the moves you did out, uh, out there today? What are, just, what are their names? And actually, how fast can you say their names in the order you did them? In the order I did them, oh god. Um, well, the big tricks I did, uh, I dropped in. First big trick I did, I did a quadruple truck driver, so a 360 with four bar spins, right into a double tail up to bar spin air. Then I came back around, did a triple tail up on the box, and then a flare bar spin, came around the course, and then did a 720 bar spin. So it's a lot of spins, bike spinning a lot of times. I don't know how many times, I probably, yeah, no way. Can't count that right now. <laughs> It, I'm almost dizzy just hearing you describe it. Um, so then what's next after this event for you? Um, actually, I just booked a flight out to South Africa. I got an invite out there to ride Ultimate X, so I'm excited to go out there. And then do you have hopes for Tokyo 2020? I do. I feel really good about this year, starting off the year this good. All right, well, we'll, we'll be watching. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you so much. Jaden Chipman is the national BMX freestyle champion. He was third at the recent Toronto X Jam. What are junk miles? Junk miles is a term we see in training articles and I've batted it around myself. But what are they really? They sound bad, like a waste of time, like, like junk food. 
But you know, a little junk food every once in a while isn't so bad. I brought my question about junk miles to regular contributor and coach Peter Glassford. Peter Glassford, welcome again to the Canadian Cycling Magazine podcast. How are you doing? Matt, excited to be here as always. I'm really good. Yeah, we just finally escaped uh, Canadian winter and we're down in Tucson now. So down in Arizona and excited for hopefully a bit of sunshine. Oh my gosh, everybody's making their getaways except me. I've got a bit of uh, travel envy. Um, Our topic today is junk miles. What are junk miles? And let's start with maybe a working definition that we can uh, yeah, begin with and then maybe pick apart. Well, it's, it's like a lot of terms, right? You're going to see it sort of stretched and bent to different systems and different situations. So I think it, it's always important to step back and just sort of ask, you know, who am I and what am I trying to do? Um, and then whatever I'm doing right now is, you know, something that we should look at too. Like if you're doing really well and feeling good, then, you know, whatever you're doing is fine. So if it, it gets classified in, in this definition as junk miles, that could be okay depending on who you are and what you're trying to do. But traditionally, junk miles was sort of hard endurance, I guess, is a way to think about it. So if you're, uh, I always laugh and make a joke about zone two, like it seems like everyone just only rides zone two. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's sort of like the top of zone two. Um, and you know, some people will argue that it's maybe more like a zone three. Um, but it's really just that, like, it's that feeling when you go up for like an hour or two hour ride with your buddies and you know, it's, it's, it's sort of hard and you feel like you're getting a workout, but it's not, it's not painful, right? Like it's not a two by 20 threshold workout, but it's, it's also not what I would call like classical, you know, honest quote unquote, uh, endurance. Right. So, and and just to unpack that a bit, my understanding of, of that kind of ride you described is um, it's not hard enough to be, yeah, like that two by 20 to really to, to, to tax those those anaerobic systems, but it's too hard to actually do any good uh, aerobic system workout. You're sort of in this in between. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. If you look up like sort of the, the traditional zones, like some of the Andy Kogan um, zones and sort of the benefits, like what each zone sort of gets you um, there's sort of that crossover and that's what sweet spot training would be. Is it sort of like that, that sweet spot where there's like the benefit for endurance and then also muscular endurance and your threshold increases and, um, so if we assume that each zone in theory, uh, has sort of like different benefits, what happens is you're sort of below that sweet spot or threshold. Um, you're not up into like a VO two sprint capacity where you're working on those anaerobic components, but then you're going hard enough that it's becoming fairly muscular. Your central nervous system is getting like more activated. So you're getting tired and, and what you would see if, if you were riding every day, um, which is sort of the caveat here, um, you would see that you're getting tired and you're not able to do intervals. You're just always riding at this middle ground intensity. So you become sort of slow in that, like the second someone sprints or attacks, you can't, you can't do anything. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm glad you mentioned sweet spot because, um, I think in sometimes I get a little mixed up with sweet spot. So then is harder than this sort of junky hard. (laughs) Well, and again, this is where it gets sort of nebulous, right? You sort of have two camps and and we sort of looked at this on our podcast as well. We had Steven Seiler, who's sort of the, the, the polarized training. So you either train easy. So under this, this Mm -hmm. gray zone or this middle ground, this junk miles we're talking about, or you train hard. So that would be at like your, say your FTP and, and higher. So, so quite intense. You're doing like those two by twenties and VO two intervals and, 
um, sort of harder intervals. So you sort of have those two options. You avoid that middle ground, which would be your tempo and your sweet spot or your zone three and fours um, in, in very simple turns. So you, you, in that system, you could say that, oh, those are, that's that gray zone. You never ride in that middle zone. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that gets complicated, right? But the, the thing is, again, we get back to who are we um, and what time of year, what is our goal, what type of racing are we doing? And the sweet spot stuff works really, really well for a lot of people, um, and especially when we don't have a ton of time, right? So that gets to this junk miles concept of you could extend junk miles to mean, okay, I only have you know three one-hour rides a week, um, and I just want to be fit enough to do that big, long group ride on the weekend, Um, you know, that's where maybe a sweet spot through, you know, this time of year, the sort of spring, late winter, uh, sweet spot training might actually really get you ready in your limited time. Um, again, depending on who you are and what type of fitness and training you have. So, um, that's where it gets, it's nebulous, right? Because the junk miles, you know, in different systems, different coaches, um, for different people, uh, could, could mean slightly different things. But the important bit is that you're a making progress and b working, especially as your race approaches, you're working on those, those key intensities for your race. How does your fitness as a rider affect the miles you do? Um, let's say you're an untrained rider or a heavily trained rider. Does that affect what, um, the usefulness of a certain ride could be? Yeah, I think it gets at the heart of this discussion, right? I've, I've sort of made the point a few times, you know, some of these systems are so like the zones are, are relatively narrow. So if you're not very fit, so say if we use a classic threshold, right? Like if your threshold's 200 versus say 300 or 350, like the 300 person is going to have a way bigger zone and be able to go way faster, right? And at some point you need to move forward, you know, on a bicycle outside, right? If you go mountain biking, you have to get up the hill. So that percentage of the threshold you're riding at or the percentage of your fitness that you're riding at, right? It's just, you're going to be working way harder. We've all been out on a ride and been the less fit person or the more fit person, right? Um, so newer cyclists really like, they, they don't really need to pay attention to this, right? Like they can keep it pretty simple and, and just, they just need to get out and ride and ride a bit more and, and they'll get fitter the more they ride, right? It doesn't need to be that complex. There isn't really even junk miles. They just need to ride more frequently. Um, and then as you become an intermediate cyclist, it's maybe a bit more important to, you know, look at, you know, okay, I'm getting a long ride in and maybe a hard ride, but Again, it's sort of more that that volume is going to help you improve um, into the point that your life, you know, restricts how much you can ride and then maybe it gets more complicated. But it's especially for the advanced cyclist, you know, you've been riding for a long time. Um, It's where the intensity and again, these junk miles sort of matter more. Um, So I don't I don't know if that that answers it, but we're sort of looking at you know, not everyone needs to care that much about junk miles. Um, because I think, again, if, if we come back to that, are you achieving your goal? Are you getting fitter? Like a beginner rider should see just by getting on their bike, they're getting fitter, right? Right. The gains are sort of uh, come a bit easier and quickly. And then as you get uh, more trained, more fit, um, you need to be, I guess, watching things a little more closely yeah. And if you look at the time of year either, right? Like I say, beginner, intermediate, advanced, that's the, you know, no one wants to be, I guess, a beginner. Um, but you know, last year, I, last w- fall, winter, I had like a, a elbow thing that got crazy and I had to go on antibiotics and I was off for a long time. So there would have been a month there where I would have been in some ways a beginner, right? Like 
I just needed to get on my bike more frequently, right? Like it, I was back to that stage and then, you know, then I had to increase my volume a little bit until I, you know, again, hit the limits of my life. Um, and then I had to back up a little bit, recover, and then go back into sort of thinking more about intensity as I resume my status, I guess, as a, a self-proclaimed advanced cyclist. Yeah, no, that makes a good point that it's not just how much experience you have riding a bike throughout your life, but it's the very specific, where are you right now in your bo- body's fitness? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, again, you could then assume that if I was like, okay, I'm going to do dirty Kanza in the beginning of June, I might come back and do, you know, April, May, I might actually do a ton of this sort of gray zone, you know, junk miles type intensity, um, just to build up that you're going to ride moderately hard or not even moderately hard for 200 miles. Right. So, um, it's very, again, who am I, what am I doing? What is the fitness level like? And then what, what are you trying preparing for? Right? right. Okay. Well, thank you, Peter. That, uh, that gives us a, a good idea of what's, what's junk and what might become junk. And, uh, I hope your rides in Tucson are, are anything but. Thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah. Come back anytime. So look forward to more questions and yeah, look forward to spring. Peter Glassford is a professional coach and head of Smart Athlete Coaching Services. Send in your Ask a Coach question for Peter at podcast at cyclingmagazine.ca. And that's the episode. It's put together by me, Matthew Piero. And I had help from Philippe Tremblay and Dan Walker. Well, I didn't have that much help from Dan Walker because he's out riding his bike in Australia and stuff like that. But anyway, thanks, Dan. Uh, it's produced by Adam Killick. Thank you, Adam. That's me. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, again, glad to sit in for Dan. I don't... Uh, now, what's that? what does he say now? He says you can get this on all sorts of podcast platforms. I'm just going to say just go find your favorite podcast app and download it there. That's perfect. Um, That's a more succinct version, but uh, there you go. Um, Also, thanks to the Ontario Media Development Corporation for its support. Uh, Full Send, No Send will return as soon as Dan gets back here. Um, If you have any topics for us, uh, you can email them to podcast at cyclingmagazine.ca. And you can also send your Ask a Coach questions for Peter Glassford to that same address, podcast at cyclingmagazine.ca. You can find more cycling news, gear reviews, and all kinds of stuff at cyclingmagazine.ca, as well as links to all our social media channels. And now's the part where I'm going to ask you (laughs) who we should ask to listen to the podcast this week. Yes. Um, You know, tell your dental hygienist. I actually did this. this. I was getting my teeth cleaned last week. And I said, hey, yo, we have a podcast. And, you know, cycling's not her jam, but she very kindly subscribed. And, yeah, so tell your dental hygienist. It turns out I have a dental hygienist appointment tomorrow, so I'll do the same thing. (laughs) Perfect. Let's see how that works. Uh, And, of course, please rate and review this podcast. Five stars. Only if it's five stars. Yes, that will help us a lot. And we'll talk to you later. Ciao.